Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. And with that, it's my pleasure to introduce the 18th head coach in Denver Broncos history, Nathaniel Hackett. Woo. How's everybody doing today? There you go. Um, look, I feel like this is a dream right now. I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable to be up here in front of everybody here. Um, it's like crazy. My kids just trying to got to keep my composure about me because this is this is truly unbelievable. Um, I, to say that I'm excited would be a massive understatement because I am um, so excited to get to work. Welcome to the show, John. How is this 19-day search for the next Broncos head coach been treating you, my friend? Yeah, it's been good. It's been nice to sit back and enjoy some of the playoffs, enjoy Von Miller sacking, making his postseason run again, Yeah, and just watching Broncos bring in people. I'm glad it's nice now that the head coach is in place and now this coaching staff is getting sorted out and we can just kind of – like it was exciting to find out who it was going to be, but now that it's official, it's nice to kind of get on with it. So we can talk about quarterbacks and everything going forward now. We can, yeah. So we know the the new head coach of the Broncos is the former Packers offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. And there's a, a couple of, uh, other front runners for this job. Dan Quinn was a hot name, John. I, I kind of thought he was going to be the guy. The Cowboys defensive coordinator had a great season with the Cowboys. Uh, another guy that was in the running was the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. Maybe getting to the Super Bowl hurt his chances. I don't know. But Nathaniel Hackett is an offensive-minded guy who's going to call the plays. And you were telling me, John, just like uh, kind of the anti-Vic Fangio in, in multiple ways, right? You know, beyond just offense versus defense. Yeah, yeah. Just right off the bat, one offense and defense is the first one that stands out because I think a lot of fans watching the offense the last few years, how bad it was. Nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but most fans didn't want a defensive guy. Like Dan Quinn is who I thought was the favorite. And I bet Dan Quinn probably thought he was the favorite too. I, yeah. I wonder Ryan, just a sidetracking here, if he want was gunning for the Broncos job. And when he didn't get it shortly after that, the bears announced their coach. And I wonder if he told the bears, you know what, I'm just going to go back to Dallas or maybe, maybe the Broncos and bears both passed on him. And those are the two jobs he was gunning for. And when that neither of them hired him, he stayed with Dallas. I was like, Hmm, totally I wonder possible. if that's a coincidence yep. or totally not possible. But anyway, so that was the defensive route they could have gone. But I think a lot of fans thought, you know, that's just Vic Fangio 2.0. We got to get some offense in here. So he checks that box. That's the opposite. And then he's also younger than Fangio. He's not like a Sean McVay. He's not super young, but he's he's a good chunk years younger than Fangio. And I think his personality, I think, is really different. Fangio was kind of like an old school, like kind kind of a little gruff sometimes. Curmudgeon. And then Hackett <laughs> was, yeah, and then Hackett, he gets up there for his introductory press conference. You know, he's like making jokes about, you know, making a run against Matt LaFleur as the sexiest head coach in the NFL. And when him and the Packers, the, the Broncos interviewed two Packers coaches and he told him that, you know, they should go to the interview and recreate that scene from Step Brothers. So just stuff like that. He just he seems he strikes me as a funny guy, and he's just very high energy. 
And the Packers players, like, posting about it on social media when the Broncos hired him, like, a lot of Packers players were just gushing with praise for him. So it just – it really seems like he's a fun guy to be around, like, very high-energy guy. And, like, not that Vic Fangio – I don't know. I don't know if he was not fun around to be around. But it's just a different – it's a different kind of personality. And then the last thing that I think he's kind of an anti-Vic Fangio, and this I think could be really the biggest thing – Fangio, from day one of his coaching career, like back when he was in college, all the way through the NFL, he was always defense. He was either a defensive assistant or a linebacker's coach or a defensive coordinator. And then even when he was Denver's head coach, he was so defensive minded. We talked about that all the time. And Hackett, like, sure, he is offensive minded, but he played linebacker growing up. He also played center. He played on special teams. So he went on, he coached defense and as a coach. He coached special teams. He's obviously coached offense. He has a lot of experience as an offensive coordinator. So it, there's no guarantee that it'll work out this way, but I have a feeling he's set up to be more balanced of an all-encompassing coach that – I feel like his offense and his defense and his special teams, he can get them all in a row and he can delegate his coaches, you know, that are over those specific units. And like, he's going to call play on offense, but he's also going to be able to manage the clock. He's also going to be able to make smart in-game decisions. Like in theory, I'm, I'm projecting because we, we haven't so. seen it yes. yet. Yeah. yeah. I think it's feasible that he could do that. Whereas Fangio, I think he got so caught up on, what am I going to do on defense when we get the ball back? Sometimes like his timeouts weren't good enough. His clock management wasn't good enough. So I just think in theory, the fact that it seems like Hackett has a more well-rounded resume, I think that could be kind of what the Broncos were missing a little bit in a head coach. No, absolutely. I think the global approach uh, to, to the head coach position is so key, and the Broncos needed it so bad. If the special team sucks, John, I want my head coach to go and fix it and maybe take it over for a couple of weeks and, and figure out what's going on. That's what we need. We're not just be like, oh, you know, we'll let we'll let whoever's coaching the special teams figure it out. I'm going to worry about my defense. Um, and, you know, may, maybe I'm building a straw man and getting Vic in trouble for something he didn't actually do. But, you know, <laughs> I, I just like this guy that is going to be a three phase coach is, is what I was looking for. So that was probably my favorite part of his press conference when he said that he had a background in all three phases. Besides the the sexy coach comment about Matt Lafleur, because Matt Lafleur, there's not a hair out of place with that guy, right? The beard, <laughs> you know. The you know, but I got to be honest, I didn't know that you know Nathaniel Hackett. He's obviously joking because he's got a shiny bald head, John. And I, the thing with ha- uh, Hackett is that I didn't know what he, I didn't know what he looked like really until that presser, right? I just didn't know. Uh, he's been a guy that's behind the scenes, so I wanted to look up his background and. He was a Doug Marone guy, right? Doug Marone brought him around. Doug Marone brought him to Buffalo, uh, made Hackett the offensive coordinator of the Bills back when they didn't have a quarterback. So uh, Hackett is well-versed in what he's getting into with Denver. Uh, And then Marone brought him over to Jacksonville, and Hackett was the offensive coordinator that year. The Jags kind of dominated teams on the ground with Leonard Fournette, and their quarterback was Blake Bortles, and he even got the most out of Blake Bortles that year. And the Jags went all the way to the AFC Championship game. So... Uh, that's interesting. He was also fired by Doug Marone the very next season <laughs> after a 3-8 and eight start. And then he lands in Green Bay. And it's kind of a mystery, right? He's been the, the offensive coordinator in Green Bay since 2019 for Matt LaFleur. And when I look at the Packers, it's like, isn't Aaron Rodgers the alpha? Like, I feel like Rodgers kind of runs the show on offense. He's kind of, he kind of does whatever he wants. It's Aaron Rodgers. I kind of look at him as the alpha of that Green Bay offense. And I look at Matt LaFleur as the beta because it's his scheme. It's, he's calling the plays. What's Nathaniel Hackett, right? What is he? I, I'm, that's something that we have to learn 
here coming up. I know the Packers have had like extraordinary success over the past three years in terms of record, at least in the regular season. Uh, but how much of that should we credit Hackett with? I'm not sure, but I think as fans, John, we have to trust that George Payton is turning over every rock, vetting these guys. There's got to be something about this guy that he really, really likes, right? There's a reason why Nathaniel Hackett is here, even though he hasn't been in the limelight. We haven't really seen him. Uh, we're about to find out how good he really is, I guess. Yeah, I think you make a fair point that he's kind of behind the scenes in Green Bay. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, with uh, LaFour calling the plays and Rodgers kind of running things, like you said, maybe he was kind of like a really good people manager. And that's another thing that I feel like with Fangio, I don't know that, uh, like, all-encompassing the defense and the offense and even the coaches – I don't know if he did as good enough of a job of a people manager. And again, I'm projecting, but I just feel like if you're a, a coach who's like not calling the plays and your offense and your quarterback is someone like Aaron Rodgers, yet you are the offensive coordinator. Like, I feel like that has to say something about like he has to be doing something right. And I wouldn't be surprised if like people management is a big part of it. But also, like we also, like you just said, he got the most out of Blake Bortles, and he was a playing cause as an offensive coordinator early in his career. So it's not like he's, you know, just been this third wheel in Green Bay and suddenly got this Denver job. Like he does have his resume before Green Bay. He does have proof of calling plays. He does have proof of running an offense and like really getting to me, the fact that the Jaguars reached the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles, like that is like the biggest feather in his cap. And who knows? I, I kind of doubt the Broncos are going to run it back with Drew Locke. Actually, I really doubt that. But I know some fans really want them to. And if they do, maybe this is a good sign that Hackett is the kind of guy that has gotten a lot out of quarterbacks that you know nobody gave much of a chance to. And again, I think that Jaguars team was one of the best rushing teams in the in the league that year with Leonard Fournette and that ground attack they had. They probably lead. Denver can definitely do yes, that. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, that's that kind of fits the personnel. So it makes sense in that regard. Uh, and, and yeah, I thought you made a really good point earlier, John, about his personality. Like Hackett kind of reminds me of Dan Quinn in that they're they're these outgoing guys bursting with energy. I mean, Dan Quinn is a guy that will have a backwards hat on all the time, be like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's that kind of guy. And they both had that. I, I'm not sure about Kevin O'Connell, uh, if I'm just being completely honest, but I know Dan Quinn is kind of that high energy kind of dude. So it felt like it feels to me like the Broncos were clearly looking for a certain personality type, mm-hmm. a little bit of a change um, mm-hmm. in that head coach position. So I think we could say that um, it does feel like Broncos fans are happy with this hire. Uh, I'm wondering if they really know a lot about Nathaniel Hackett and they they love his football acumen, or if they're just really excited that they've now officially opened up a pipeline to Green Bay and for Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Devontae Adams to come to Denver, John. Is that why people love this hire? Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a lot of people, that's got to be part of it. I think a lot of fans just wanted change, and they wanted offense, and they got change, they got offense, and then when you watch Hackett's press conference, like, I don't know any fan that could watch that and not come away and be like, okay, I like this guy. Like, it, even if you had your doubts about him, like, just that presser, I feel like, sold you. And then like you're saying, the Rodgers connection, that has to be like that. As soon as I wrote the story that the Broncos were finalizing a deal with Hackett, the very next thing I wrote was that it will amp up the Aaron Rodgers speculation because it like it has to like, how can it not? How can you not connect the dots? Because the Packers are in real tough cap situation. Rodgers worked out his contract with them last year and opened up the door for a trade this year. The Broncos have his 
offensive coordinator for uh, who's worked within the last three years. So uh, I just feel like you have to think if the Rodgers, if the Packers make Rodgers available, and if Rodgers doesn't retire, that could be a possibility. You have to feel like the Broncos are going to make a run for him. Absolutely. And uh, I, I would like to get Broncos fans now in trouble for something they didn't actually do. Um, but I was looking on, on Twitter, John, just because I was I was just curious because Rodgers was kind of an a-hole all year long. Just talking about himself, talking about all kinds of crap that had nothing to do with football all year long. It was always about him, it seemed. And then he flames out again in the playoffs. And it's just like, huh, huh. So it turns out that Rodgers is... He's not all that likable. Like, do we really want him as our quarterback? This kind of goes back to our conversations and our arguments back in the summer, John, uh, when I was anti-Rodgers coming to Denver for the three first-round picks, and uh, I'm still on that train. But I was trying to check, like, some of the posts you made on Twitter, just looking in the comments, reading through. Seemed like a lot of Broncos fans were out. They're like, nah, I don't want this guy anymore. He's annoying. He's an a-hole. But then they hired Nathaniel Hackett, and that tone changes, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Rodgers is coming, right? So uh, not to get fans in trouble for something they didn't do, but I feel like there's been a shift. in the air. I thought right after the season, people were like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this Aaron Rodgers guy. I don't, I don't want this guy. Now Hackett's here. The pipeline is open, John. It's like, oh, baby, Aaron Rodgers is coming. <laughs> so that's, that's literally what's, what's happening, at least what I'm seeing on my timeline. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people truly did feel like that, felt like they didn't want him in and I think part of the reason may have been they thought it was just a pipe dream and it wasn't going to happen. And now that it looks like it could be a real possibility, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's Aaron Rodgers. Like, even if you really can't stand his personality or can't stand different things about him, if he gets results, like, that's what fans want. Like, they want the Broncos to go back to the Super Bowl. And you mentioned, you know, Rodgers falling out of the playoffs again. What people bring that up, and I think that's valid because he has failed in the playoffs far too many times. At home. But I would say that Peyton Manning had a losing record in the playoffs when he got to Denver. And a lot of people always brought that up about Manning that he just wasn't good in the playoffs. But he had one Super Bowl win. Rodgers had one Super Bowl win. They had a, a, a reputation of not being good in the playoffs. And he came to Denver. The Broncos were contenders again. They got a Super Bowl. And, and like – I know it's different because you'd have to trade for Rodgers, but I just look at, you know, the Rams getting Matthew Stafford. It puts them in contention. They were quarterback away. The Broncos, they got Peyton Manning. It puts them in contention because they're quarterback away. And the Bucks, they get Tom Brady. It puts them in contention because they're quarterback away. And now Tom Brady retires and the Bucks, they're kind of in a mess. Like we don't know what's going to happen to them at quarterback. Like their next few years might be a little bit of a struggle, like the Broncos and the post. But if I talk to Bucks fans, like some of them might not say this, but I feel like most of them would be like, oh yeah, I do that again 10 times out of 10. We went to the Super Bowl and we got two years out of Tom Brady. Like the next few years might be, you know, a little rough. But you don't trade that for not having Tom Brady. And I and like the Broncos fans with Peyton Manning, like Will you say, would you do all that again, knowing the, you know, the six years that we've gone through, all that would happen again? Every, not every, because not everybody agrees with me, but I feel like the majority would be like, yeah, I would do that again. I'd take four years of Peyton Manning, two Super Bowl trips, a Super Bowl win, and then six years of misery. Yeah, I'll do that because you want a Super Bowl and we want a Super Bowl now. Like we want to be competitive now. So I'm willing to trade off, you know, once he's gone, we're going to have a slump again. But like, I don't care. Like the Rams, they have a shot to win the Super Bowl. And then after this, 
Vaughn Miller is a free agent. Odell Beckham's a free agent. These different guys are going to be out of contract. And the Rams, they might have to do a little bit of rebuilding. They might struggle for a few years. But if they win a Super Bowl this year, I think most of their fans and the Rams themselves are going to be happy. Like, that's the goal. Like, you want to get to the Super Bowl and you want to win it. So I just think someone like Rodgers, it gets you a chance to get there. And that's what I want. And I don't care if a couple years after that, they're going to struggle for a little bit because I want to win now like the Rams are doing. So let's talk about what it would take to get Rodgers over here, right? Because they did rework his contract. And what they did, he had three years left last year coming into the season. The Packers voided that 2023 year to make him make him basically have two years left. And so the final year of his contract is now 2022. And he has a cap hit north of $47 million coming that the Packers aren't going to pay, obviously. I don't think they can pay it. It doesn't even fit under their cap. They'd have to do all, all kinds of maneuvers. So that's not going to happen. The only way he stays with Green Bay is if they give him an extension. Rodgers has said he's not going to be a lame duck quarterback. He's also said, I'm not playing through a rebuild. So the Packers have a lot to figure out. You also said, you know, correctly said, retirement is certainly um, on the table because Rodgers is 38. So the best way that Rodgers comes, I think the only way that Rodgers comes to Denver is via trade. So for me, it's what's the price. And, you know, if it's the Stafford deal, John, if it's Drew Locke and two first-round picks for Rodgers, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for that. If it's three first-round picks plus, like, I don't know. That's where that's where you lose me. I think like a Jerry Judy or Bradley Chubb, maybe? Yeah, uh, that's where you lose me, and I think you'd lose George Payton there, too. But if it's a player and two first-rounders, just like the Stafford deal, and maybe, like, some you know, lesser draft compensation, like a fourth round or something, I might be on board. I mean, he's 38. Uh, you know he's going to be great in the regular season. You don't know what you're going to get in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's he, he definitely has struggled. You know, he said, we just got to get these games at Lambeau, and now he's struggling to win home games at Lambeau. He said, oh, I got to get a good defense. Well, he had a great defense this year. So that thing keeps on, keeps on getting him. So, but I, I agree with you, John. It would be so much more fun if Rodgers ends up the quarterback, even though I can't stand him. <laughs> like, if he ends up being the quarterback, now that Hackett's here and the pipeline is officially open, I'm all for it. I just don't want the price for a 38-year-old who could retire at any moment and just be like, ah, this isn't fun for me. I'm done. You can't really trust him. You don't really know what to expect. I just don't want to give up a, a ridiculous amount for the guy. Um, now, like we've talked about, Russell Wilson, a guy like that, I might, I might be more willing to give up more draft picks, like three first-rounders. Uh, but one thing, you know, not, not that we, no, I want us to argue. We've done this argument many times in previous podcasts, as people who listen to us know. Um, but you told me, John, basically, if, even if they don't get Rodgers, you think they're going big. They're going for a Russell Wilson type. You think, you, you think they're going to go all out for a big-name quarterback this offseason. Yeah, I think they're going to swing for the fences, and I think that because I know they did that last year. They wanted to make a run at Rodgers for last year, and the Packers just wouldn't engage them in trade talks. And it was reported by a lot of people that they were seriously interested in Deshaun Watson when he was asking for a trade before the allegations came out. So after the allegations, that obviously changed everything. But before that, they had sincere interest in Deshaun Watson. And and 
Matthew Stafford. Like we were just talking about the Rams trading for Stafford, getting the Super Bowl. The Broncos tried to trade for Stafford. They exchanged multiple trade offers with the Rams. And I think what, uh, or with the Lions, I should say, and what the Rams ended up paying, I think was a little bit steep for George Payton. Now in hindsight, I wonder maybe he regrets that a little bit. How different would the Broncos season have gone with Stafford? I don't know. Like the Broncos, maybe they're not as good as the Rams, but who knows? Maybe Stafford would have been the difference to get him into the playoffs. And then who knows what happened? But anyway, well, with they were they went after Stafford. They had interest in Watson. They would have tried to go for Rodgers if the Packers would have allowed them to. And then after all that fell through, then Teddy Bridgewater was kind of like a fallback option. At least that's how I interpret it. Like, the, of course, they wouldn't say that, but that's how I view it. So going into this season, I think, you know, George Payton, he obviously wasn't sold on Drew Locke last year. There's no way he was. And they're, I don't think they're sold on Teddy Bridgewater either. They may bring him back either as like a veteran mentor for a young guy or as depth, or they may even bring him back for him to be the starter. But I don't think he's their plan A. I think, once again, they're going to swing for the fences. You know, Aaron Rodgers, like we've been saying, he's the obvious target. And then Russell Wilson, he would be a dream if – if the Seahawks would make Wilson available, I agree with you. I'd trade three first-round picks for Wilson, and I'd way rather have him than Rodgers. Like, I'm all on board for Rodgers, but Wilson tops him in my mind. And then Deshaun Watson, he's going to have his depth position after the Super Bowl. Who knows what happens with him? Like, I, I don't want to speculate about him too much because the, the accusations are so serious. Yep. I don't know if he's ever going to play in the NFL again. But – if he is cleared or or if teams you know decide that you know they're okay with his character and decide you know they're going to bring him in you know if he like maybe there's a settlement or something i don't know it, i just think the broncos they're going to go after the big names again and if if they aren't able to get him like they weren't able to get him last year maybe someone like um Jimmy Garoppolo could be a fallback like Teddy Bridgewater was a fallback last year. And then maybe they draft a quarterback to develop behind him, kind of like the 49ers did with Trey Lance. So I just think they're going to go big at QB. Even if they don't get Rodgers, I think there's going to be plenty of QB chat this offseason. One thing that we should also cover here, John, is sweeping changes for the Broncos coaching staff. Uh, so we know Pat Shermer and Tom McMahon are, are out. Thank God. <laughs> Those guys are gone. Uh, also, Ed Donatel, uh, Vic Fangio's defensive coordinator last year, also out. So the Broncos have hired uh, Ijiro Evero. He is uh, he was with the Rams. He still is with the Rams, right? I'm guessing he's probably going to finish yep, out this yep. season. They yeah. can't hire him until after the Super Bowl. Okay, so that's why it's not officially maybe official official. But um, Evero is going to be hired as a defensive coordinator. We have Justin Outen. He's been hired as the offensive coordinator. He was the Packers tight ends coach. So here is that that Packers to Broncos pipeline, John. It's going to be the Denver Packers before you know it. Um, you were not happy about one move, though, that's been made, right? Uh, the offensive line coach, Mike Munchak, you have some beef. Yeah, they're not bringing him back, and they kind of leaked through Mike Kliss, who works for Nine News, and he's really close to the team. They leaked through him that it was a scheme fit, but I don't believe that because Munchak, you know, he's a pro football Hall of Famer. He turned Garrett Bowles from a bust into a pro bowler. And like he's been around football so long, he can adjust his scheme. He's smart enough to adapt. I, I just don't believe that it was about scheme. I think, you know, when a coach comes in, he has his guys who he brings in. And I think, you know, he just had an offensive line coach in mind. So there's not room for moon check. And, you know, that's just the way the NFL is. But to me, it's just a bummer because as soon as Fangio was fired and I was thinking about which guys from his staff, 
could still stay in Denver and the new coach, like Moonchuk was number one on my list. He's the one guy that I was like, man, I really hope they keep him and they're not keeping him. And it's a bummer to me, but like, I get it. They're, they're going to bring in an offensive line coach that Hackett is familiar with. And he is going to be familiar with the scheme, but it's just a bummer to me because that was the one coach I didn't want to lose. Sweeping changes. That's, that's the theory. That's, uh, that's the theme, right, John? They just, they're shaking things up and uh, it's hard. It's hard not to like it. Um, at the end of the day. So uh, tons of other little topics that we're going to get to here in our second segment. I didn't mean to bury this lead because the class action lawsuit filed by Brian Flores uh, and the Broncos are cited in this is just a whopper. Uh, and, and we'll touch on that and some other topics here coming up right after this. All right, John, as I said before the break there, the Broncos are cited in a class action lawsuit filed by Brian Flores, a coach that we both loved as a candidate for Denver. Uh, coming out of Miami, um, he he interviewed with the Broncos back in 2019, and and that interview is is part of this lawsuit, um, and we'll talk about it here. But George Payton rattled off all the the guys that the Broncos did interview this go round, and Flores was not one of them, right, John? Although we we thought he would be a hot name for them, he wasn't interviewed this cycle. Yeah, no, he once, and at least if they did interview him, it was very quiet, and Payton yeah. didn't mention it, which I can't imagine why that why they would have done that. So it just seems that he was not a candidate this time around. And I kind of scratched my head about that because, you know, you had two winning seasons with the dolphins and, you know, to me, he seemed like a good leader of players. So I, I was like, why is he not a candidate? And I don't know, maybe this is part of it. Maybe he had a beef with the Broncos and they just knew that he wouldn't be interested. Maybe they weren't interested in him. I don't know, but he, he has a a lawsuit against the NFL, as you mentioned, and it, it mentions the Giants and the Dolphins and the Broncos. And he's, he alleges in his lawsuit that in the 2019 interview that uh, Joe Ellis, who is the president and CEO of the Broncos, and John Elway, who was the general manager at the time, he said that they showed up very late to the interview. And uh, in his opinion, it seemed that they had been drinking the night before. And he alleges that they were not taking the interview seriously and they only did it to satisfy the Rooney rule. And I think it is worth noting that he was the only black coach that they interviewed. They only interviewed five coaches. He was the only black coach and they ended up hiring Vic Fangio of those five. And they also interviewed Munchuk and he ended up on Fangio's staff. So they hired two of the five guys they interviewed, but you know, the Broncos have strongly denied the allegations. They said they were completely false and they said they, they like gave a timeline of events for the interview. They say that they were punctual and they say that they considered him as a serious candidate. So the the Broncos are denying it. Flores is cited in his lawsuit. It's hard for me to have a very strong stance on it because I just don't know what's true. Somebody's lying because the two stories are so opposite. They can't both be true. Uh, I just don't know who is lying though. And I just, it, it doesn't look good for the Broncos at the very least. No, it doesn't. We need to see John Elway's uh, toxicology report, John. We need to see what, <laughs> what that blood alcohol level was. Um, so, yeah, it's – it's well, I mean, it's it's he said, he said right now, right, basically. And uh, the Broncos, as you said, came out pretty quickly and, you know, detailed what, how their interview went down and kind of fought back against this. So that part can be argued. Which side do you agree with? Who knows, right? We, we don't know that. What can't be argued is that all the head coaches hired so far this season, Hackett, Matt Eberflus with Chicago, Josh McDaniels in Vegas, who we'll get to here in a minute. Um, Brian Dayball with the Giants, and, and he's part of this lawsuit as well because 
there was text messages from Bill Belichick texting the wrong Brian in his phone. And this is totally believable, John, because Belichick, oh, yeah. Belichick's an old man. Yeah. And Brian Dayball and Brian Flores are both from the Belichick tree. They both coached with Belichick in New England before moving on. So he texted the wrong Brian and said, congratulations, you got the job. Meanwhile, Flores hadn't even interviewed yet with the Giants. So, oh boy. And Belichick thought he was texting Dayball. He texted Flores on accident. Just what a mess. Um but Dayball, Hackett, Eberflus, McDaniels, they all have one pretty obvious thing in common, right? We only have one black head coach in the entire league. It's Mike Tomlin. And when you think about that, John, it's like, man, it's a bad luck for the NFL, isn't it? Uh, so until we get some minority ownership, I think, uh, some, you know, some of that, th- nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change with the NFL uh, in terms of this. You can instill the Rooney rule. You can put end racism decals on the back of helmets. Nothing's going to change until there's change at the top. Maybe the Broncos could help there because they're they're about to be sold, right, John? So maybe maybe the Broncos get some minority ownership. Maybe maybe they start to you know enact some actual change in the NFL because unless that thing starts happening at the top, this this stuff's going to continue. Uh, you know, and I'm not implicating the Broncos here, but you you hear that what went on with the Giants and the text messages from Belichick certainly implicate them and. The Dolphins stuff is crazy, and if you have time, go ahead and read that lawsuit. Uh, this stuff's not going to change until there's there's change at the top. Yep, yep, I hear you. And like you said, like I don't know what happened with the Broncos, but across the NFL, it's just clear that there's there's plenty of qualified black candidates, but there's just not many. Like you said, there's only one black head coach in the NFL, and just – the math just doesn't add up. That just shouldn't be the case for how many qualified coaches there are. And something's got to change. Like you're saying, maybe ownership could help with that. I think that's probably very true. I think that really could help a lot. And the Broncos, this is another thing we kind of buried the lead on this. The Broncos, yeah. they are officially for sale. I think it wants it like uh, top of the podcast news for us because we've been expecting for months they're going to go right. go up for sale. But now sure. this week they announced that they are officially up for sale and that process, it could take really months to, to become before they get a new owner. But they do have a target date of before the season. And we don't – I don't have like a running list line or Ryan of all the billionaires that could have <laughs> afford the team. So I don't really know who the candidates might end up being. But I remember a couple of years ago when the Panthers came up for sale, you know, their billionaire owner, I never heard of him. And he just kind of came out of nowhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos' next owner – it may be someone like it may not be Jeff Bezos. Like it may be someone that actually I think it probably will be someone that we've never really heard of. Just some billionaire come out of nowhere. And, you know, maybe it will be a minority owner. And if that happens, you know, maybe that will help at least on the Broncos part to start hiring more minority coaches. I do think, you know, the Broncos, they have hired some minority coaches, but I don't know if it's been good enough. And I don't know, like, Flores, I don't know, but it may be he may be uh, on to something that he was the only black head coach. And it may have been that he was only interviewed to satisfy the Rooney rule like that. That very well could be so. Uh, but also Ellis and L.A., both their contracts are up after this season. So as far as they go, they're going to be on the way out anyway. So I think the Broncos with George Payton, I think they're heading in a good direction and hopefully they're going to get good ownership now that will keep them going in a good direction, not just on the field, but all this kind of off the field stuff. That's so important. Like this is, we're talking about people and that's more important than the game itself. Absolutely. And and in terms of the Broncos sale, you were mentioning 
billionaires because millionaires, they don't make enough money, John, to buy the Broncos. U.S. sports record, $4 billion. It's supposed to go over $4 billion to purchase this franchise. That's wild. $4 billion. Uh, too bad we can't be part of that ownership group, John. It's not <laughs> yeah, quite enough pen- pennies for our, our I have $3 podcast. I can invest. <laughs> yeah, geez. $4 billion for the Broncos. So so that's a story that we'll be following for sure, and, and also this lawsuit as well. We'll cover that here in future uh, future episodes uh, throughout the offseason here. I want to get to Josh McDaniels, right, because Broncos fans are having a lot of fun. And actually, let me pull up my notes here. I was reading a, bron- a random Broncos blog, John, and there was a line in there that said, a rabid Wolverine released into the locker room would do less damage to the Raiders than Josh McDaniels. <laughs> so this is how... <laughs> if there's, if, I hope that's true. <laughs> is there a better way to uh, to sum up how Broncos fans feel about McDaniels and him landing in Las Vegas? Of all people, like, I know McDaniels pretty well. I, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm out here in New England, so I, I know a lot about McDaniels. He's been around the Patriots organization for a while. I know all of his transgressions, John. Um, what do you think about this? What's your, what's your leadoff take on McDaniels to the Raiders in the Broncos division coming to Denver at least once a year? Yeah, I think Broncos fans have every right to not feel fondly about Josh McDaniels for how much of a disaster he was. He ran Agreed. so many players out of town. You know, Jay Cutler, before Cutler even played a snap for him, he got him upset. He got rid of Brandon Marshall. You know, he he had beef with guys like Champ Bailey and DJ Williams on defense, like the leaders on defense. And you, when you hear reports of them like being in a yelling match at practice, it's like, okay, when you lose Champ Bailey, like something is seriously wrong. So I think he was a terrible, terrible piece manager and then you know when they got caught for cheating that was just like the last straw it was like okay you're you know you're hurting the franchise's reputation like he was fired just shortly after that cheating scandal so i i completely understand broncos fans you know not having fond memories of him there's no reason to but i think the broncos fans that are like oh yes now he's going to run the raiders into the ground it's awesome that they hired him I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because I think it's very, it's been a long time since he was a Broncos coach. And I think it's very possible that he could have learned from his mistakes, at least as it goes for like managing people. I don't know if he's going to, you know, continue trying to cheat and stuff. I don't know. But as far as like managing players, I bet he's probably got better at that. And I think even in his introductory press conference, he kind of alluded to that, that he, he learned from some of the mistakes he made in Denver. And I think that really is possible. Like, it's very feasible that he could have matured since then. And also, like, his offense is not a bad offense. You've seen that in New England. And even in Denver, the Broncos had Kyle Orton because he ran Jay Cutler out of town. And Kyle Orton, once in some great quarterback, but he was very, very, uh, like, he was feasible for Denver's offense. Like Fantasy it, it was, sleeper. He, yeah, he was good enough. He was plenty good enough. He he outperformed what he should have been. And I think Derek Carr, like Derek Carr is better than any quarterback the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning. Like I would take Derek Carr in Denver. And I feel like with Josh McDaniels there kind of being somewhat of a quarterback guru, a, a a smart offensive guy like he might be just what Derek Carr needs to take a little bit of an improvement in his career so I just I'm not with the Broncos fans that are saying this is going to be a disaster for the Raiders like I would love if that happens from a Broncos perspective I want the Raiders to be a disaster but I'm just not convinced it's going to go down that way the Raiders don't need help being a disaster first of all (laughs) true Uh, true yeah it's just like man when he was hired as the Colts head coach and then he, he backed out, right? Oh, the yeah, Latin, you know, right? Thing. And the Patriots threw a bunch of money at him to, to keep him as the offensive coordinator. 
and uh, Belichick opened the book. John, I mean, I'm sure McDaniel's learned all the tricks. He knows all the tricks. Okay, like Belichick, you know, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, John. Okay, let's just <laughs> let's just say that. That's uh, the Raider way, though, for <laughs> real. The Raider Going way. Back to the Al Davis days. I mean. Yeah, what was that, like 12 years ago? I mean, McDaniels, we kind of forget, he was 33 when he became yeah. head coach of the Broncos. 33, he was a record young, you know, the youngest head coach ever uh, at the time. 33, I forgot about that. Um, barely older than the 25-year-old Jay Cutler at the time. It was just wild. Um, but, yeah, I, I had to go back and refresh myself on McDaniels, John. I forgot that he tried to trade for Matt Castle. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it is so freaking funny. Uh, but, yeah, he's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this opportunity and like all of a sudden he gets an interview with the Raiders on a Saturday and he's hired on a Monday and he's like oh this is a special place it's like huh like what what's going on here with you Josh McDaniels why is this such a special place all of a sudden the Raiders like I know they have a great brand we all know the Raiders brand it goes back you know forever but the Raiders are all over the place right Oakland LA back to Oakland now they're in Vegas they just got to Vegas like McDaniels was talking about the uh, the history of the Raiders and, and all that and how that was a big draw. And it's just like, dude, what are you talking about? They just got to Vegas. You're building something. You're still like planting. You get your footing in Vegas. What are you talking about, Josh? So I don't know. There's something fishy going on there with that whole thing. Uh, but I kind of agree with you. I think McDaniels could actually do some good with that offense because I kind of like Carr. I like Hunter Renfro. McDaniels loves those slot receivers that have good hands and great route runners, right? Little Bill Belichick understudy. Oh, oh my God. I mean, just look at last year with the Patriots. Jacoby Myers was a slot receiver for the Patriots. An undrafted, no-name guy. Uh, 83 catches from a rookie quarterback in McDaniels' system. So, I mean, get Hunter Renfro in your fantasy leagues. He's going to catch 150 <laughs> passes next year. I'm telling no, you. I don't think Broncos fans are really going to no, listen yeah. to that, Ryan. No, yeah. So, I think, you know, I, I think you and I agree that fans... Are that are happy that McDaniel's joined the Raiders might want to be careful what they wish for. He's a pretty yep. good coach. He got the most out of Kyle Orton. Uh, he worked with Brady forever. He did a really, really good job with uh, Mac Jones, and we already mentioned Matt Castle, who he he tried to trade and make the franchise guy at Denver. <laughs> so, so there's a McDaniel's minute. Um, where should we go next, John? You want to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, Von Miller? Uh, I, I yeah. noticed that early in the show, you almost said that Von Miller was sacking Tom Brady and knocking him out of the league, but you stopped <laughs> short of saying that, which is which is very nice of you on, on you know the week that Brady retired and did not mention the Patriots in his retirement statement. I'm glad you didn't go there and kind of well, rub that in my face. You being a New England guy, I wasn't going to bring it up myself, but now that you've brought it up yourself, <laughs> I did love that Tom Brady's last ever game in the NFL was a loss to Von Miller. I think that's so poetic. Von had a pretty and good now game, Miller, huh? He, yeah, that was a good game. It, look, Brady, he his last game was a huge comeback, and he definitely gave his team a chance. So, you know, there's not really any shame in that. You know, it's the playoffs, single elimination, anything can happen. So I don't, I don't, I don't mean to really mock Brady, even though I do, because I love to mock Brady. He he became much more likable to me when he went to Tampa Bay, but just Miller sacking him, knocking him out of the playoffs. It was such great memories. And now Miller's got another chance to go to the Super Bowl. 
uh, not a chance. He is in a Super Bowl. He's got a chance to win another Super Bowl. And if he gets one sack, he'll rank second on the all-time Super Bowl sack list. If he gets two and a half sacks, which is somewhat of a tall task, but if he gets two and a half sacks, he would rank number one on the Super Bowl's all-time sack list. And that would just be awesome. He, he got Super Bowl MVP honors in Super Bowl 50 when he had two and a half sacks. So, you know, that would be a huge performance. It, it how cool would it be if he won Super Bowl MVP again? Like, I'm not predicting that. I would just love that, though. I'd just love for him to, you know, get at least one sack, move into second place, get another Super Bowl ring. That would be so cool. And, like, I don't care that the Rams pick. It's either going to be 31 or 32 now, the two picks they trade to Denver for Von Miller. I don't. I would rather Von Miller win the Super Bowl than the Broncos pick from the Rams be a little bit higher. The Super Bowl is really fascinating because on one side you got Cincinnati, which is just kind of a really fun team and how could you not love joe burrow i mean that guy is just what a, what a guy joe burrow is i i he's really easy to root for and i think the rams in a lot of ways are are hard to root for i know von miller gives broncos country a little bit of juice there uh the rams are clearly the better team than the bengals i think they're favored uh and one reason why i think the rams have a good shot and that von miller has a good shot to get another ring here john is because the rams have been trying to blow it all playoffs, right? Like <laughs> against the the Bucks, they're up twenty seven to three in the second half. Twenty seven to three, and that lead goes away. And after Von Miller gets a strip sack on Brady to basically seal the game, the Rams snap it to the fifty yard line over the quarterback's head. It's like, what is going on here? Uh, the Rams have been just desperately trying to lose. They tried to lose last week too at home to uh, the Forty Nine ers in the NFC Championship game when Stafford threw the easiest interception ever to the 49ers safety and he just drops it so the Rams have just been trying to lose John and they can't and in playoff games as Aaron Rodgers will tell you not easy to win so the Rams are trying to give these away and they and they still win I think that's a sign that it might be their year right I just think as much as I as much as I love the Bengals the Rams they can't lose if they try right now in these playoff games and I think if they put it all together offense and defense yeah they're the better team they should I, I could yeah. see them winning by double digits to be honest I see what you're saying because in 2015, the ball bounced the Broncos' way. And a couple of times I was just like, man, it's just the Broncos' year. Just because the ball doesn't always bounce your way. And not just like on the field stuff. Like you get the uh, Steelers in the playoffs and they don't have Antonio Brown and they don't have Le'Veon Bell. It's like, oh, how different of a game would this be? So I see what you're saying that things are falling in place for the Rams. And I also. I get what you're saying about the Bengals being so likable and the Rams being less likable. If not for Von Miller, I would be rooting really, really hard for the Bengals to win because they're just, even though they're in the AFC, they're just likable. Joe Burrow is likable. They're definitely the underdogs. You know, the Rams are full of all these stars. So I, I totally get what you mean. I just, I want Von Miller to win again. So without him, I'd be rooting for, and like, I still won't be upset if the Bengals win the Super Bowl. That would be cool. I just I want Von Miller to get another ring. Well, it's worked out for him at trade. There's no doubt about it. He looks good. Um, and let's end it here, John. Like you're not mad at Von Miller for gushing about the talent on the Rams, saying they might be more talented than those 2015 Broncos, and saying he wants to finish his career in L.A. He's loving life out there. Um, you know, Von said all the right things when he left Denver, but man, he seems real happy out there in Hollywood. You're not mad at well, him. Well. First of all, like, how would he not be real happy know, when, you know, playing. you I'm make it playing. to the Super Bowl and you're surrounded with stars? So like, you can't blame him to say he wants to finish his career there. But it does. He's it laid does it on thick, you though, in the heart Yeah, he's laid bit. it on thick. 
Yeah, it, but it's also Von Miller. Like when he was in Denver, basically every year after Peyton Manning retired, basically every year in the offseason, he'd be like, you know, this is the best roster we've had since the <laughs> Super Bowl. You know, I feel really good. And he'd always gush about the quarterback, no matter how terrible the quarterback. I think he's just a positive guy and he says what people want to hear. So I think it's just somewhat his personality, but uh, he probably also does believe it. So I can't blame him because he's in a way better situation than he was in Denver. But I still hope if not, you know, this next off season, that's not happening. I don't think, but before he retires, I hope he gets, you know, one more year in Denver at the very least. If he does say finishes his career in LA, I'm sure he's signing a one day contract with the Broncos before he retires. So we're, he's, he calls himself a Bronco for life. He still has the Broncos as in his Twitter bio. So <laughs> I don't think he's burned any bridges, but of course he's going to be happy where he is. All right. So Von Miller is going to, he's going to do the Broncos well when he retires, unlike Brady did to the Patriots. <laughs> um, so yeah, now Von Miller just seems like a very positive person. Um, in all aspects, which is which, which is easy to root for, right, John? Um, so, all right, go Vaughn, go Rams, win the Super Bowl. Here we go, and then we're on to the official off season. And John, we had a we had a few things in our notes here that we didn't even get to touch on, so we're gonna have to get back together soon here over the next couple of weeks and do another show. You down for that? Yeah, sounds great. Plenty of football to talk about. Plenty of off season topics to talk about. I should say, absolutely, especially if we get a quarterback. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. Make sure. Uh, listeners, thanks for joining us this long. Make sure you're checking out Broncos Wire for the latest and make sure you're subscribing to our podcast too if you haven't yet. You can find us wherever you find your pods. Uh, for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us again and we'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.